Uh, this morning, Alex, I've asked Alex to share with us uh, from the Word, and he's going to share with us out of the Gospel, and uh, he'll, he'll introduce that subject to you as well. But I want to say thank you to Alex and Lisa and uh, just the way they help us and, and minister here and, and uh, do want to uh, encourage you to listen carefully to what Alex has to say. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> thank you. morning. As Rich said, I'm Alex, and I've been coming here to Calvary Chapel for somewhere around 16 years, and uh, I got saved about five, four years ago, and uh, since then I've been serving and uh, just helping out with um, ministry and whatever, whatever I'm asked to do, whatever, whatever needs to be done, I just like to be available to that. Um, so I am not the pastor. I am not a pastor. Um, so if you're here visiting or here for the first time, don't make a ruling on whether you're going to come here or not until you hear Pastor Rich te teach, please. Um, but I'm uh, grateful and honored and privileged uh, to be up here uh, teaching from the Word of God. Um, in fact, I'm staggered because I've got to do it more than once now. Um, and I want to start off uh, this morning with a question. And that question is, um, what has Jesus done for you? And what should your response be to it? And the text we're going to be looking at is uh, from Mark chapter 5, please. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. It's Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> and about three days ago, I came down with a cold. So if I'm clearing my throat constantly, please, I'm sorry. Forgive me. <clears throat> I'm not going to let a cold take this victory, though. So, <clears throat> so Mark chapter 5, everyone's there, <clears throat> says, Then they, they being Jesus and his disciples, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gar Gadarenes. <clears throat> and when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. <clears throat> when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine, <clears throat> I'm sorry, those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it had what it was that had happened. 
Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got in the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. <clears throat> and he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to get up here and uh, just get into your word, Lord. And um, I pray, Lord, that um, as... Uh, I just speak, Lord, that it would be your words that come out of my mouth, Lord, that the things here that you've put on my heart about this um, account, Lord, uh, would just come to the surface, Lord, and that you'd be glorified in this, Lord. I pray that you'd open the hearts and the ears to each person here, Lord, that they'd be able to just clear away the distractions of their day, just lay those things aside, Lord, any concerns or anxiety about things, that they would just um, fully receive and hear. Uh, what you want to say to us through your text, Lord. And, uh, we just want to praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, in verses 1 through 6, we see some things about this guy, this demon-possessed guy that um, I want to point out. And, and there's three specific things in verses 1 through 5 that I want to draw our attention to. First is where this man lived. He had his dwelling among the tombs, it says. Basically, he lived in the graveyard. He lived in a cemetery. Why? Why would anyone want to live there? That's where the dead people are. Because he was as good as dead, too. He didn't fit in with the rest of society. He didn't fit in with the people who were alive. He couldn't, get, he, he couldn't get along with those people. He had more in common with the dead people than he did with the people who were alive in his community. And I think that's interesting. Uh, secondly, um, it says that no one could bind him. The interesting thing to me about this is that no outside chains could hold this guy. It says they tried to bind him. They tried to put shackles on him, tried to put chains on him, but he broke them. But does that mean he was free? Absolutely not. He was bound with something far more powerful than anything man could have tried to uh, subdue him with, to uh, chain him with. You know, and one thing I think about these chains, too, um, or this binding that uh, the people tried to do, the shackles weren't so much for him as they were to protect society from him. He was a threat. He was a danger. Running around naked and freaking out and doing whatever he was doing, he needed to be Society needed to be protected from him. That's what the chains were for, the outside chains. Third, it says no one could tame him. No matter what his family or friends or neighbors tried to do, they couldn't control him. Chains, shackles, he could not be changed. He could not be controlled. Guy was a loose cannon. Seems like people tried, though, and that's good. I mean, they wanted to help. They, they wanted to uh, be a part of 
helping this guy, and that's good. You know, maybe they got him the, the local uh, psychiatrist. Maybe they signed him up for some group counseling sessions. Perhaps some behavior modification seminars. Maybe some tranquilizers. They tried, but it all failed. Everything failed. Every man-made effort failed to help this guy. <clears throat> verse 6 also speaks to something about this guy that I think is important. And also, this verse is just so encouraging to me, and it should be encouraging to anyone who has someone they love who's hopelessly, desperately lost. <clears throat> Jesus seems to have come all the way here to meet this one guy, right where he was, in the tombs, among the dead. This guy was hopeless and lost. And Jesus came all the way across the sea with his disciples, and then apparently he just left. But as crazy as this guy was, and this is the real encouraging part, when he saw Jesus, he responded in the only right way, in the only suitable way. He ran to him and worshipped him. That was the only right response. That's the only proper response to a revelation of, who, of Jesus Christ. As lost as he was, he still had the capacity to recognize the Savior, to recognize his Savior and run to him to be rescued. That's just awesome. It's incredible. In verses 7 through 13, we see um, the demon's response and, and interaction between uh, Jesus and, and these demons. Um, the exchange between Jesus and the demons who are tormenting this guy is what we see in 7 through 13. <clears throat> Their response to Jesus was far different than the man they had possessed. They recognized him. They knew who he was. But their response was they wanted no part of him. They were like, what are you doing here, son of God? Get out of here. We don't, what are you doing here? <clears throat> After some pleading on the demon's part, Jesus decides to grant their request to be cast into the swine, and then the swine jump off the cliff and die. And this really just speaks to Jesus' authority over demons. They are defeated and they are powerless in the face of their creator. Powerless. They have no power over Jesus. They have to obey. And anyone who is in Jesus has that same power in them. It's demons, the devil, whatever, they have no power over us if we are in Christ Jesus. Because it's his power that defeated the enemy. <clears throat> Verses 14 through, <clears throat> excuse me, through 17 speaks about the crowd's response to what is going on here. The people who were, who were around to witness had a strange reaction. Instead of praising God for the awesome thing he had done, how he loved this guy and rescued him, how he came all the way across the sea just to meet with him, their response was they begged him to leave. They're like, get out of here. Sadly, that response is similar to what the demon's response was, isn't it? Leave. Depart. We want no part of you. <clears throat> What's most sad is these people knew this guy. <laughs> they had seen this guy freaking out in the tombs. They had seen him cutting himself, hurting himself, carrying on. <clears throat> they witnessed his behavior. 
And now they see him, right before their eyes, they see him transformed. They see him different, not naked anymore, clothed and sitting down in his right mind. And what do they do? They tell the guy who did it to leave. It boggles my mind. This guy's transformation was so radical. It was heavy. I mean, crazy stuff. I mean... Talk about polar opposites from one side of the one end of the spectrum to the other. This guy was a complete change, a complete 180. But it was too much for them. And they're like, you need to go. We we can't deal with this. It's it's just too much. It says that they were afraid. What were they afraid of? Jesus had just helped this guy. He didn't he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do anything wrong. He saved this guy. What were they afraid of? They were afraid that they would have to change. They were afraid of the life change that was going to come into their life if they recognized their Savior. And they didn't want any part of it. Verse 18, um, we see that Jesus honors their request. They ask him to leave, and he honors their request. He leaves. He gets in the boat. You know, and this just speaks that Jesus will not force anyone to come to him. He will not force anyone to receive what he wants to give them. These people were hard and cold-hearted. They displayed that by caring more about these stinking pigs than they did about the guy. Their brother, their, their neighbor. Somebody they knew, a human being. Also, we see in verse 18 the response of the crazed man who had been rescued. We see the crazed man's heart. And what marks it is gratitude. His response to what Jesus had done for him was gratitude and surrender and an earnest desire to go with him, to follow him. In fact, it says the guy begged him, he pleaded with him, I want to come with you. He didn't even ask where he was going. I don't care where you're going. I just want to come with you. I want to be with you. It's too hard here. These people are not going to accept me here. It's, I've done so much damage. How am I ever going to live here with these people now? Please take me with you. That's the guy's attitude. <clears throat> they know what I've done. They know how I've been living. Please take me with you. Verses 19 through 20 says, Jesus answered him. He said, no. Sorry, you can't come with me. Jesus had a reason for coming across the sea and saving this guy. And that was to leave him behind to tell his friends what Jesus had done for him. He's like, you have to stay here. You have to tell these people in the Decapolis, which means ten cities, what I have done for you. The marvelous, the wonderful things that I have done for you. The the compassion I have shown you. And what was this guy's response to that? He did it. He just went and did it. Complete obedience to what Jesus had asked him to do. He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He didn't make excuses. They're not going to listen to me. I'm a psycho. Everyone knows it. 
Everyone knows how I've been living. None of that. He just obeyed and went. He did it. There was no, I don't have a seminary degree. I haven't been to college. I dropped out of high school. I'm not gifted in evangelism. Don't I need to be trained for this first? None of that. All he was armed with was what Jesus had done for him. That was all he had, and that was all he was told to tell. That was all the training he received. That was all of his qualifications. Now, you would think that if Jesus was going to come all the way across the sea, he would have found somebody there who was smart or handsome or articulate or something like that so that he could use them to reach the people there. But no, he, he picked out the psycho from the graveyard. Interesting. <laughs> and what was the response of the people? They marveled. They marveled because they knew that there was no way this guy could have changed himself. They knew that there was no way that anything that the people in his neighborhood, any of his family and friends, could have done to change this guy so radically. Nothing. Nothing the world could do. Nothing the world could do could transform a life like this. They marveled because there was no way to explain it other than God intervening. Other than a miracle. That's marvelous. That's something to marvel at. So from this account, I want to draw attention to five things Jesus did here. Five needs that Jesus met for this guy. First, he met, him, uh, he met his need for life. This guy needed life. He was living with the dead. He needed a new life. He needed to be delivered. He needed deliverance and rescue from the bondage he was in. He needed to be tamed, controlled, subdued, settled, not wild anymore, not out of control. And he needed to be clothed. This dude needed some clothes, man. He was running around the streets with, no, with nothing on. It's crazy, right? He needed to be covered. He also had a need for a purpose in life. He needed another reason to live, another mission. Also, I'd like to point out this guy's response to Jesus meeting all those needs in him. The only proper response, obedience to him. Obedience to the command to go and tell your friends. Now, do you see anything about this guy that seems deserving of this intervention by Jesus into his life? No. In fact, this guy was anything but deserving, wasn't he? That's because it's all by God's grace and by God's mercy. Nothing this guy could do could earn this trip from Jesus into his life, could earn this new life, deliverance, taming, uh, clothing, and purpose. It's free. It was free to this guy. All he needed to do was receive it. When I read this account a few years ago, excuse me, when I read this account a few years ago, this story a few years ago, I was surprised to see so many similarities to my life. I was not possessed by demons. But I lived a life that most people would call pretty crazy. Some of you know it. 
Some of you know it better than others. I hid it from most people, if I could. I don't need to give the devil or demons any credit for the depths of depravity that I sunk to. That's me. That's all on me. <clears throat> but my story is similar in that I had the same five needs that this guy had. And all people have. Whether we recognize it or not, all mankind still has these, has these same five needs. <clears throat> So I've spent, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes with you now, and I introduced myself in the beginning. And I know some of you, but uh, some of you don't know that well, but I consider us all friends. So I'm going to share with you what Jesus has done for me, how he's met all these needs in me. So get the tissues out, okay? <laughs> First, he met my need for life. See, I was dead in sin and trespass, the Bible teaches us, right? Spiritually dead, separated from God. And I made my dwelling with people who are the same, spiritually dead. That's who I spent my time with. That's who I would choose to spend my time with. I was much more comfortable around people shooting dope and lying and stealing than with my family, than with my, my friends, coworkers, with people from church, people who loved me. I would rather spend my time with people living the same way I lived. You know, and I, I just want to be clear here, because I'm not picking on anybody, but I've heard people give their testimonies about how they live this lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. And um, mine is not like most people's story, okay? I was not some smooth talking, living up the player's life kingpin drug dealer, fast cars, hotel rooms, all of that. There was nothing glamorous at all about my lifestyle. Nothing cool about my lifestyle. I was a filthy, depraved, street-walking, running-from-the-cops, IV, IV drug user, used to hide behind dumpsters. All the things that you may have seen in, on TV or heard about IV drug users just brushes the, the surface of who I was. And the people I chose to spend time with, most, most of my time with, they were the same as me. <laughs> That's what they did. That's who I was comfortable with. People dead, separated from God, separated from the source of life just like me, spiritually dead. <clears throat> so like with this guy, Jesus dropped what he was doing and came all the way down from heaven <clears throat> and met me where I was, in the tombs, among the dead. And he did the same thing to me as he did to this guy. He offered me life. And I took it. I took it, man. <laughs> New life is what I needed, first and foremost, and that's exactly what I got. Not an improved version of the old Alex. You can't fix stupid, okay? New. So he met my need for life. Secondly, he met my need for deliverance. 
Like that guy, I was bound. Not just with chains and shackles that man made, shackles and chains that man made. Things like methadone, or suboxone, or rehabs, or jail, or labeled sick, or had a disease. I needed deliverance from all that. And the sin. <laughs> Understand, I was not sick. I have no disease of addiction. I did drugs because I liked it. I didn't care if it hurt people. I didn't care if it hurt me. I didn't care if it was right or wrong. I did it because I liked it. I was living my life in defiance to God. Shaking my fist in God's face, telling him, this is my life, and I'll live it my way. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown man. I'll do what I want. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm free. All the while, I was blind to the fact that I was so far from free, it wasn't funny. Everyone else could see it, <laughs> but I couldn't. I was a slave to my desires, not free. The Bible says anyone who sins is a slave to sin, and that's exactly what I was, a slave to sin. So whether I recognized it, recognized it or not, it's irrelevant. I was anything but free. I was bound. The only real deliverance for me had to be from Jesus. Only Jesus can change a person's heart and desires. And that was my problem. My heart, it was wicked and easily deceived. Only Jesus, not some generic God, not some higher power, not Allah, not Buddha, not Muhammad, not the goddess. Only Jesus brings deliverance. Only Jesus sets captives free. And that is exactly what he did for me. He set me free from the hold sin had on me and the lies that I had bought into. Lies like, this is your life. Live it how you want. Who cares if you trash everyone around you? And I did trash everyone around me. My family, my friends. It's, it's a train wreck. It's, it's a nightmare. See, I fell for the old bait and switch. When I was down at U-Turn, we just used this term, Pastor Steve from the Tennessee Ranch used to use this term, you fell for the okey-doke. And that's basically the bait and switch. I bought into a lie. I was promised pleasure and happiness and contentment through drugs and alcohol, living my life the way I wanted to. What did I get for it? What did I really get? Misery, pain, suffering for me and for everyone around me. Everyone I came in contact with. But I'm free from all that now. <laughs> Third, he met my need to be tamed. That's not a very popular word, is it? Who wants to be tamed? Makes you sound like a dog or something, right? But I needed to be tamed. When Jesus gave me new life, a life free from the hold of sin, <clears throat> he also gave me the Holy Spirit in his word to train me to walk in the fullness of that new life that I had now. 
in that free life. And like a newborn baby needs to learn how to walk, so did I. I needed to be discipled. I needed to be trained. That's what, that's what taming is. You know, you think about a horse, right? A horse is magnificent, awesome, powerful, uh, just, just powerful, you know? But what good is a horse that hasn't been tamed? What good is a horse that hasn't been uh, shown something useful to do? If it's, if it's not, then it's just running the, the fields or the prairies or whatever horses do. They, they don't, it had, you know, but when it, once it's tamed, it still has all that power. It's still just as magnificent. It's still, you know, a powerful horse. But it needs to be tamed to live up to its potential, right? To, to be useful. I need it to be trained. I'm not as powerful or as magnificent as a horse, okay? You're supposed to say yes, you are. <laughs> not, not, not even my wife said, yeah, you are. You're crazy, man. What the heck? Uh, so I needed to learn how to live a life that was no longer ruled by sin or the desires of my flesh. A life governed, a life not out of control, not wild, impulsive, and chaotic. <clears throat> a life in my right mind, not wildly running the streets, doing whatever I wanted. And that came from a new way of thinking. That's what tamed me. God's word says that he can conform, we are supposed to be conformed. Uh, he conforms our minds so that we have a new way of thinking, his perspective on things. We need that. Uh, fourth, he met my need uh, to be covered. <clears throat> in the same account in Luke uh, of this, this story, it says that the man was naked. To me, that just speaks to having no shame about what he was doing. He should, he should have been ashamed. He was caught himself, carrying on, had to be chased out of the village or whatever, you know, numerous times, chained up. He should have been ashamed. What he was doing was shameful. But he didn't seem to recognize this until Jesus rescued him. Then Jesus covered him. Can you imagine once this guy got delivered and rescued from Jesus, he was just like all of a sudden, man, where are my clothes? What, what happened? Why am, why am I naked? Why am I running around around here? And what did Jesus do? He provided a covering for him. He provided clothing for him. When I was out doing dirt, I had no shame about it either. I said I was sorry a lot. You can ask everyone how many times they've heard me say that word. Sorry, sorry, won't do it again, sorry. How many times have you all heard that from me? I was sorry for getting caught. Not for what I was doing. I had no intention of changing, no matter what I said. Until he gave me life and delivered me, until Jesus gave me life and delivered me and tamed me, I was blind to the shame. Ignorant, but not excused from the shame I should have been experiencing. I should have been embarrassed. I should have been ashamed of how I was living. But I wasn't. <clears throat> I wasn't until Jesus intervened in my life, just like he did in this guy's life. 
Now my shame is gone. Covered by the righteousness of Jesus. The only thing that could ever possibly cover it. I don't have to live my life ashamed of the person I was. I will one day stand before God spotless and blameless. All that old man, shame and all, forgotten, gone. And my heavenly father will abundantly welcome me in as one of his own. Simple. Plain and simple. I have no doubt about that. See, I don't have to carry around all that baggage of my sin. I don't have to carry around that old man, that old dead man. That doesn't mean I'm not reaping what I've sown still. Still to this day, I have to reap what I've sown. That's a biblical principle that I can't get away from. Consequences have actions. I'm dealing with some of them still today. Some of the seeds that I've sown, I'm still reaping a harvest from them. And that's a struggle sometimes, a lot of time. Being covered by Jesus' righteousness also doesn't mean I'm perfect. Right? (laughs) But I am not that man anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature, clothed in Christ's righteousness. My unrighteousness covered by his shed blood. I'm not that filthy, lying, stealing, abusive junkie anymore. And praise Jesus for that, right? Fifth, he met my need for a purpose in life. My only purpose before Jesus stepped in to my life was to get mine. I'm going to do what I want to make me happy. I'm going to find whatever needs I have and meet them. I didn't care about anybody else. I mean, sometimes I may have looked like I did, but deep down, it was all me. It's all Alex. It was Alex's world. You just lived here. So I was all about making myself happy. And the saddest, saddest, saddest part of all that is I couldn't do it. (laughs) As hard as I tried to make myself happy, as hard as I tried to find contentment, as hard as I tried to be fulfilled, I was miserable, absolutely miserable. Constantly in distress, constantly stressed out, constantly turmoil and pain and suffering going on all around me and in me. But now he gave me a new purpose, to go and tell my friends what he has done for me and how he has had compassion on me. I know a lot of you have heard this all before from me, my testimony or part of my testimony. But just like this guy, you know, I believe this, was, this is part of my call. This is part of what I'm supposed to be doing. And you notice in the text, Jesus doesn't say to the guy, go tell him once. Okay? So I'm going to keep telling it until he tells me not to. If this is all I get to do, if this is all I have to do, for the next 20, 30, 40 years, however I live, then it's more than I deserve. 
So sorry if you've got to keep hearing it, but it's going to keep coming. <clears throat> Lastly, my response. I think I've just kind of touched on that, right? Obedience. Okay, Lord. And like this guy from the tombs, I have no qualifications. I didn't finish high school, and I certainly don't deserve this honor. I have no seminary degree. I haven't had any training. <laughs> All I have is what this guy had. All I have is what this guy had, an account of what Jesus has done for me and how he has had compassion on me. That's all I'm armed with. And like Jesus told the guy, go tell your friends, well, that's what I've just done. That's why I invited so many of my friends and family here tonight, in case I haven't told you lately what he's done for me. Last thing I want to look at for a second is the responses of the people. In the text, we see two, two separate responses. Some want no part of it. They wanted no part of Jesus. They wanted no part of what was going on. Others marvel. And I've experienced both. <laughs> some people have marveled. Some people have said, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's cool. Praise Jesus. Other people just marvel and, you know, I don't know if they really believe or praise Jesus for it. And I've been told plenty of times to depart from this region. <laughs> Not in those words. A little more colorful. But the response is not my concern. Okay? I'm only told to tell. That's all Jesus has told me to do. Go and tell. What people do with it is on them. It's between them and God. I hope and pray that everyone who hears what Jesus has done for me recognizes that they have these same five needs and how only he can meet them as he's met them in me and how he's met them in this guy from this story. So please don't dismiss him or have no part of him. Marvel at what he can do in a wretch like me's life, in a wretch like this guy's life. Receive his offer for life, deliverance, taming, clothing, and uh, a purpose. So, in closing, I started with a question. What has Jesus done for you? And what should your response be? I think we can all answer that, right? Well, if you are in Christ, then you have a similar story to tell. Hopefully not similar to mine. You don't need to have a story like mine to tell people. You could be raised in a Christian home, never have gone out and done any of the stupid, crazy things that I have done. And the message of what Jesus has done in your life is just as amazing, just as powerful. So what are you supposed to do? Go tell your friends. You know what else I like about this, too, from the text? It says, go tell your friends, and not a specific people group. Because you can always go make more friends. If you've told everybody already, go make some more friends. There's plenty of people out there. Go make friends with them and tell them. Well, that's all I got. You want to pray? You want me to pray? All right, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just do just come before you humbly and just want to thank you that you offer uh, life, Lord, that you offer deliverance, that you offer taming and clothing 
and a purpose, Lord. And I pray that each heart here would respond, would respond rightly to it, Lord, like this guy did. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that um, these words that were spoken here today, Lord, which I believe are from you, Lord, would just fulfill the purpose that you sent them out for, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would receive all the glory for this, Lord. I, I, I don't enjoy getting up here sharing the person I used to be, Lord. But if you get glory out of it, then that's a small price to pay, Lord, my discomfort. So I just want to lift you up here, Lord, and I just want to praise you. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen.